It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. I'm Ben Ellis, Cage Warriors Featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight, fight podcasts around and the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show and this is episode number 65. Tonight we are going to be talking a bit of everything, a bit of boxing, a bit, uh, bit of UFC and uh, of course we'll be interviewing our guests, uh, guest. but uh, if, just in case you aren't aware or you're new to the channel, Ace Podcast Nation, home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So please give us a follow on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, click the bell for notifications. If you want to keep it just MMA, follow the Danny Batten Fight Show at Danny Batten FS on Instagram and Twitter. And of course you can get the audio versions of all these shows at the usual podcast platforms. Just search Ace Podcast Nation and you'll find them all there. Lots to talk about, so we're going to get straight into it. And... Uh, First of all, as ever, is joining me uh, the former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend. It is Mr. Daniel Batten. How goes it, my friend? Yeah, I, I'm all good, Sai. So uh, it's good to have Aaron back on as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Stop stealing my thunder and let me Sorry. introduce the guest. The second week in a row you've done that. Not happy. <laughs> yes, not happy at all. But I am delighted to welcome back our special guest this week. It is none other then Cage Warriors welterweight, Aaron the King Khaled. Welcome back, buddy. How are you, mate? I'm okay. Thank you for having me back as well. Glad to finally be back in my new place as well. Since, since I've moved here, I know you've asked a few times, but I've been like, still sorting the place out. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's no, glad so to it's all... be able to come, have the time to come back on. 
it's good because um like we enjoyed having you on anyway but we in the last sort of probably month maybe six weeks we've changed the format a little bit so we've been kind of interviewing the guests more about them and then we condense in the the sort of match by match stuff still got the best analysis in the game by the way but um we just we like to talk to the guest a bit more and what we realized is obviously we had you on i think two or three times before and we were doing the sort of more focus on the the you know the cards which had gone on over the weekend and whatnot and the analysis and stuff like that so we had naturally talked to you about maybe some of the the earlier parts of your career, how you got into it and stuff like that. So I've um, got some questions for you, my friend. But um, first and foremost, I wanted to uh, ask you both a couple of questions about some MMA news. Um, just a couple of things which really caught my eye this week. The first one being uh, Dan Hardy and Matt Brown been going back and forth on uh, social media and uh, Dan Hardy said he's messaged UFC and basically given two names that he wants to fight in London when the fans are back uh, and Matt Brown's one of them. Danny, first and foremost, do you want to see Dan Hardy fight again? Do you want to see him fight Matt Brown? And who do you think the other name could be? Oh, the other name, crikey. Yeah, I, I really... Would have no Danny, idea who the, the other, other name, name would is be. Danny Batten. <laughs> no, well, no, I'd have to cut a lot of weight to get down to even that, that weight that they fight at these days. But um, yeah, I, I don't know who the other person would be. I really don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like Dan Hardy is trying to come back in regards to career, but it, he just wants to have like a feature fight back, I suppose. And um, against that kind of person, I think that, that that's fairly okay. I mean, you know, he's got to take into account there's going to be some form of rust and, and, and timing issues, um, you know, to take into account. But, you know, Matt Brown is he's on his way out a little bit. You know, we, we, I think we spoke about that. His last performance, you know, is perhaps past his peak. Mm. Um, so that makes it a little bit more viable. I wouldn't want to see Dinardi going in against the very, very top tier guys. But, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be certainly interesting to see how, he, how he'd get on and and how he performed. I take it that he stayed in some reasonable training, you know, to, to have the yeah, confidence to, to consider. That, yeah. yeah, so he must be feeling confident in his training and stuff. You know, he ain't going to want to get in there and put a bad showing. He must feel confident that he's got something to show. And, um, yeah, why not? I wonder whether so, he'll have a mohawk for it. That's what I'm kind of yeah. curious about. <laughs> Aaron, he, um, it's clear that he wants, I don't know whether, some sort of closure maybe he feels like he ended his career which not on his own terms and he wants something but um, another interesting thing I noticed is when he put up the tweet in response to Matt Brown because basically Matt Brown sort of said I you know I don't he said I don't think Dan Hardy really wants it and then Dan Hardy put up the message saying you know I've messaged the UFC or whatever but um and someone replied and said do you think there would be a market or is there a market for for a Masters stroke Legends division in the UFC, maybe a 35 and up category, um, because professionals are finishing younger and uh, older and older uh, as the years, as people are fitter and more uh, equipped to go to fight into sort of older age. Uh, Dan Hardy seems to think that was, he thinks it would work quite well, but 
what do you think, firstly, about Dan Hardy potentially making a comeback, um, and also a, a, a legends division, I guess, in the UFC? Um, great for Dan if he needs to prove. If he, he probably wants to fight again, and he probably feels young enough to fight again. Watching every or like he, he watches a lot of fights, and he's really like deep into mm. watching fights. And having like a legends division, I don't know because the older guys they normally when they want to fight it's normally money wise they want to fight because of money. Yeah, and they obviously wouldn't. I don't think they pay a legends division or a, like a older division what they kind of worth. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I just look and then Dan Hardy's like basically a year younger than me. Like he's thirty eight. Like I thought he was actually a bit younger than that. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like he hasn't like, had 30, he hasn't had thirty eight years of fighting though, as he? he's had a lot. Yeah, of course. Um, so he finished in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, he was diagnosed with. Uh, Wolf Parkinson White syndrome, um, and it's it's something to do with heart tissue. I you know I don't. Was he on a win streak end. before that as well? He like, was. Yeah. Two, was it two? Do you have a two oh, fight win streak? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just check. Like, what do you think, Dan? Uh, of a like like a veterans division or a, a legend um, division? Yeah, I think the interesting thing that could come arise with doing a division such as that would be the matchups that never happened. And, you know, that, that's probably less of the case regards MMA because the MMA community do face each other at some point. No one's hiding behind records or hiding behind a world title like what happens in boxing. But um, but still, it could certainly... I, I, I think there could be some drummed interest now. I'm just not too sure whether UFC is the place to do it. That's more of a Bellator trait, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting, but, isn't it? But it could certainly, you know, stamp more authority on all potential fights through two sides of spectrums, isn't it? You know, the younger primed athletes and the older ones that would perhaps take away those more oddities that we see on Bellator. So maybe, you know, clamp a little bit more control regards what Bellator do. Um, but I just don't want this event to happen. It's not producing sort of like freak shows. Um, yeah. We've criticised Bellator for it, haven't we? Yeah. It, 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 it would, yeah, it will take away from the seriousness of the UFC brand. But I, I think, you know, by saying it's a legends division, you know, I, I take it that it's going to be people that really were offering something special back in their primes um, that will be selected to, to do this. And it's also got to have quite a thick depth of interest to be able to have those, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. interest of matchups. Um, also, you know, with, with getting older as well, um, you know, and the weight cutting become more of an issue. Um, maybe it'd be more interesting to just do it at an arranged catch weight, whatever that weight may be, and maybe yeah. not do it so much as a division. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't think you should do like a legends title. I think you should just do feature fights um, because, like, like I said, I don't think there'll be a massive pool of fighters that want to do that. So I think the pool will be smaller. Um, so you know, it could just be an add-on, add-on okay. bout. To, to UFC, possibly. You know, just yeah. the odd one here and there. Yeah, I think that's okay. Like, my main concern with it is, like, Bellator uh, has shown that some of these guys, the reason they were cut by the UFC is because they didn't have it anymore. And some of those fights with the older guys in Bellator have not been good. Like, 
And if you start putting on fights like that with guys well past their prime, like they've just cut Anderson Silva because he was well past his prime. Like yeah. he'd be a, the sort of name that would probably be in that division. And then yeah. it just waters it all down. Just to answer your question, Dan. Um, so after his title fight versus uh, George Sampierre, he, he was on a four-fight losing streak. Then he won two yeah. fights. And he was yeah. due to fight Matt Brown in t April 2013. And he was diagnosed with having the Wolf, Wolf Parkinson White. So he was or he was on like the comeback trail almost. Right. But um, after a difficult period, it's like it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like it's obviously quite a serious, uh, you know, health issue. However, mm. if he feels that he's able to come back for a fight, then and he can pass all the relevant fitness tests, I think Matt Brown. I'd like to probably see him get that Matt Brown fight maybe to get it out of his system I gotta say I'm, I'm yeah. more interested in seeing the younger fighters coming up than I am yeah. seeing guys past their prime I get you I get you but I would like to see him fight yeah, I, I think it'd be, yeah, uh, be a good, yeah I think that would be a good fight um, listen the way Dan's broken down the fights is so impressive oh, you know he's, he's clearly got a talent for for seeing the arts and um you know he'll be putting that to full motion in his training camp to prepare for someone like matt brown but and matt's bloody good fighter he's you know very well versed very well rounded sharp still and and, and kept his foot in the door uh, as an active fighter so you know he's going to have to have all of that intellect put in motion in his training he's got to use every bit of that fight iq that he's clearly got and train smart and he could bring it all together. I think it'd be a, an interesting matchup. Yeah, the other thing, Aaron, is obviously Matt Brown. Like, I didn't think he was particularly impressive in his last fight, but he has been fighting in that period where Dan Hardy hasn't. And I think you know, ring like ring rust is a thing, isn't it? Um, and like you're talking, what eight years, nine years? Mm. It's going to be at least nine years by the time he's. Or even if they was to do it, announce it straight away. You're talking, what is it, eight years, eight and a bit years? It's a long time to have no fights, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a long time to have no fights. But he, um, Dan Hardy's a smart guy. I think he'll get himself as ready as he can. Yeah, and indeed. He's probably with the no no crowds being back anytime soon. Um, it's just gonna be like a hard sparring session for him. I imagine and Matt Brown doesn't really he, in the Condit fight. He didn't really push the pace much like he used to. Yeah, very, like back offish, and it, that'll work perfect for Dan Hardy, especially to break the break the rust coming off. No, yes, hundred percent, mate. So, well, uh, there's a, a couple of other things I want to chat to you about. Like Bellator introducing some rankings and John Jones, uh, some comments on the heavyweight division. But we'll talk about them in a bit. Um, Aaron, let's have a little chat to you first, mate. Um, what I was particularly uh, kind of interested in, first and foremost, is how you got your start in MMA. What, when did you get the the bug for it and fighting generally? Um, I always had a bug for doing something like using sports, sport wise, like it was rugby or football. But there was always that I liked combat. Mm. Like I used to love watching wrestling when I was a kid and Dragon Ball Z, like the cartoon, both kind of fight related stuff. And um, to try out boxing, karate didn't really work well for them. And then my cousin started doing MMA, like um, in a gym called Cardiff, Cardiff MMA. 
So I went mm-hmm. there when I was 17, me and my mate, and we just stuck out, stuck out to it. Just got a burglar just got in there, just, yeah, that was it. Dragged in so, CMA Mills. <laughs> when, um, so you're like 17, and you've kind of got a bug, when did you sort of switch from doing it as a, like a hobby, to, right, I could actually do this as a, you know, as a career, and I thought I'm good at this, like, I could really do something with it? Um... To be honest, with you, it was probably it must have been about four years ago. That mm. happened when I joined up to Lewis Long's gym, the Matt Academy. Once I started going there and was embedded in there full time, I realised right, I need to start make, playing around with it. So, yeah. What um, do you have many amateur fights, mate? Before you were oh, turned pro, I had eight what was your fights. record? It was seven and one, but it was like. It was back in the dark ages around me, so there was just random fights. Yeah, yeah. Like, one event, I really couldn't schedule the fight. I turned up. It was... The, I got told I was fighting. Paid for, like, I was fighting. Turned up. The guy didn't even know I was on the card. And then mm. someone else weighed in, and I fought him instead. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was just random fights like that. Yeah. Madness. That's madness, that, isn't it? This, um... So you, you obviously you train at the Matt Academy now with Lewis and and uh, Ben and a few others. Like I've talked about a lot. Like when I was growing up, there was there wasn't MMA gyms and pe- you know things like this. There was the odd boxing club around in, up in Barry and stuff, but there was nothing to the extent that's around now. Like you've got the Matt Academy, you've got obviously you've got Shore MMA, and there's a few other you know decent places around as well. Like there is a real opportunity, particularly for kids in like South Wales area, to take it up as a hobby and you know and then see how it goes. Do you think that's like is that something? So I have this conversation with my missus a lot because I'd quite like my kids. They're all like well, they're sixteen, fourteen, twelve. So I'd quite like them to get into it, and I particularly the older one. I think it would help him. I think he's quite good. Uh, he could be quite good just because of his he's quite like you like rugby football athletics he's that sort of thing and he's he's quite he's like six foot one already like um but she thinks you know he's fighting all the usual reasons we have this conversation a lot like how should i convince her that it's a good idea take us to one of the classes (laughs) like it's not like when i was growing up if i if I brought my parents to the class, they'd be like, you're not doing this. Like, when I first started training, we had, like, two mats, and then we had yeah. a walk, and we trained against that, and it was just, it, we had no real coaching for years. Mm. So, but now, you, like you said, you've got Shaw MMA, you've got the Matt Academy, you've got Everton, John Wales, that are, like, proper, good, well-structured facilities. They've got good coaching, they've got good teams in there, they look presentable. So, I think if the parents who are, like, I mean, are in about their kids going to MMA, they should just Check out one of the classes. It, you, you'll see it's not as barbaric as you think. I think, like her, one of her concerns is that it will encourage him to to fight. Like, so my he's got um, he's got ADHD, and uh, in the first like year seven, he had undiagnosed year uh, undiagnosed ADHD. Got into a lot of fights. Not a lot of them were his fault. A lot of it was him defending himself. And I think her concern is that if he goes somewhere like. Sure, MMA, for instance, just because he knows Richard, um, 
through school like that it might encourage him to fight go go back to fighting outside of the gym whereas i think that the structure and the discipline will actually help him continue because he's turned stuff around in school and that to be a straight a student pretty much and i think that it would help him continue that so we're kind of at an impasse not to make it personal or whatever but i'm just like I'm interested from your point of view as a fighter, and then I'm, I'm going to ask Danny the same similar questions as a coach because it's it's interesting because you always got uh, parents, media, people who are kind of against MMA or fighting generally in terms of gen just generally, but also with with regards to kids as well. Like I've just explained my situation, like. Danny, what would your answer kind of be to the same sort of question which I just asked Aaron? Yeah, I certainly don't think it will be making any encouragement for him to misuse any skills that he'd acquire through MMA. I don't think it makes you want to fight anymore. I think it somewhat gets things out of your system. Yeah. And, um, you know, the training is, is, is pretty hard. It's quite intense. And you come away feeling somewhat satisfied. It's quite calming, actually. And I've always found whenever I've missed a week of sparring through injury or you know through being ill or lockdowns <laughs> as mm. it could be um you know i found myself getting much more irritated and agitated and edgy and angry so i just think it's a great release it's great focus it's good for discipline i think it's it's just hugely beneficial i've seen a lot of youngsters that come up from our junior classes into our adult classes and they've really turned their lives around and um, you know and not just because some of them turn to fighting at an amateur level and potentially a pro level, but just for the social setting that, that happens there, the learning, the etiquette and the code of conduct um, from the coaches. I, I just think it's a, it's a good thing all around for, for a kid to, to be involved in, in martial arts, um, in particular MMA. Spot on, mate. Spot on. I'll take that. I'll take I'll blame you two now when I, I take the conversation. <laughs> but, um, Aaron, back to you, mate. Um, I'm really interested in like uh, how you're feeling at the moment. Obviously, Cage Warriors at the the first trilogy, uh, you had a really impressive victory over Mick Stanton. Then you fought Leonardo uh, Damiani at the second trilogy. You lost on a split decision. Um, I didn't think you had lost, but I guess it is what it is. Um, it's a bit. I was just I was looking back at your record earlier and like you've had some really impressive wins but sort of in between them you've always you've got a couple of losses like what do you put that down to because like looking at the Mick Stanton fight I think because it was over so quickly you were sort of saying if there's any issues with the title fight the next night I'll be you know I'll step in I'll step in um, and I know you know, any fighter is going to do that. But, like, I'm interested in your point of view on that Damiani fight at the second trilogy, particularly. Um, Well, I think it would go with all my losses. Like, I, I win some, I get comfortable with how my training is. I don't think I push myself that further normally. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot to do with my, how my personal life was. So, okay. from the Mick Stanton, training up to Mick Stanton, was was you know I pushed myself to new limits like like every fight in every camp, and then from the next time to the army army um, camp it wasn't that short it was quite quick, and I had a lot of stuff going on like I just moved 
Um, there was other stuff going on. So it was like I was fading in and out of camp mode and training, but still being sharp enough to go through camp mode. So it didn't look like I had to to push as much. Mm. But I must have just blown out in that diary around because I did feel myself the whole fighting. Like I, my mind wanted to do things my body wasn't catching up on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I realised now after that it's either when next time a fight comes along I have to go put it all into my fight camp instead of the personal life here, personal life there, which I think will work better now I've moved moved into my own place, you know. Yeah, that that's interesting, Dan, because obviously you've talked about the same, exactly the same thing with Tom Mearns, obviously one of your uh, students or one of your uh, somebody you train with a lot, like. If you put, if you have got things going on in your personal life, which makes it difficult to, you know, to train and be in that like that intense mode at all times, it is difficult to to do. Um, like you've talked about that a lot, Dan. What um, like what's your initial thoughts when you hear? Obviously, you hear Aaron saying that, and like that was the first thing I thought of was when you had talked about you know Tom and. And some of the issues he's faced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I had a fight career myself where there was a lot of things going on in my life. You know, I was holding down a full-time job, trying to coach, earn money that way. I was a sole earner in in the relationship that I was in. Um, I, I kind of quite old school in my family unit at the time. You know, where I wanted to be the breadwinner, keep the mum at home, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, certainly if things weren't running so smooth in in, in my personal life. It, it can have an effect um, on your fight game. Absolutely that. And you mentioned Tom Mearns, who's been through a lot of physical damage with the sport. He went through a horrendous broken ankle in training. Uh, someone did one of those scissor takedowns on him and, and completely snapped his ankle. And that took a long, long time to, to heal from. And then, of course, he had that freak injury in a fight that he was winning in Bellator, you know, which was yes. really his moment to move up on the big stage, on the world stage. And, um, you know, he was really going in a good direction, but got derailed a couple of times through freak injuries. Um, and from that second freak, freak injury, um, his lifestyle kind of went from one situation that was bad to even worse. You know, it affected his job because of what happened to his arm. So, you know, it couldn't, it couldn't stay in the job that he, he was working in. He got let go with that. And then he had a knock-on effect that the relationship had failed. Um, that's partly because he's, you know, <laughs> and that point down to that is what I always blame it on. Um, so yeah, he's uh, you know he's really really gone through a hard time, and 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 it's really derailed him, and it, it's made him you know he's gone from job to job. Uh, it's made it difficult for him to to fight on one weight, which is featherweight predominantly. About you know just yeah. not not hop on about his career so much, but with big picture of what Aaron was saying, absolutely it can affect your performances. Um, Aaron's fighting at a level. You know where it's world class. Cage warriors, like we said before, when they, you get successes on cage warriors and go to UFC, the successes continue. So this is absolutely a world class event. Um, you're not going to have any easy fights, and you kind of got to get everything moving in one motion in unison to to get the win. Everything's. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can go through adversity and still push through, get victories. I'm not saying you can't do that, but you know, one thing can not be going to plan not even yeah. in the fight, but in life. It can stop your prep. Um, yeah, it, it can just play havoc. It can absolutely play havoc. And this is the reality of things. People just watch the performances from their TV screen. And it is frustrating when you 
see and hear people write comments uh, about people's performances. It's always easy to say what they should have done and what they should be doing sitting from a sofa. But these athletes, they're living lives. They're working full-time jobs predominantly. They're moving houses. They're having relationships that are trying to hold down that they have difficulties with. Some of them have kids to contend with. It's not an easy world out there. It's it's very, very real from the fighter's perspective. Oh, yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Very, it's, yeah. it's easy, isn't it, for, like, for people like me or people who are on social media or whatever who are not <clears throat> who are not living that life to say, oh, he should have done this or he should have done that or why hasn't he done this or why hasn't he done that. It's very easy to do. Um, I'm interested, Aaron, obviously we've got this, uh, the next trilogy coming up at the moment. And I noticed that um, there's no fight announced for you at the moment. It used, you, you know, you're in camp and, and hoping to get one still. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, been training real good. Training's been like sharp at the moment. My weight's Just, coming down like I am in camp as well, which is which is quite yeah. worrying. Because I'm like, no, I shouldn't. My weight shouldn't be dropping like this. But it is because the training's been up. Um, yeah, if they don't get me a fight, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not that worried. If they don't, they don't. Like yeah. I, I, I've been flat out training. It's been. It'll be. It'll be good to recover from mm-hmm. all this. Nicely, without a, without a fight at the end, and I'm without on cut weight. But I am hoping to fight. Maybe a month after March or two months after March. So I'm hoping some show, maybe this cage wise, they can have a quick turnaround and put on another show fairly after it. But yeah, I'll be it looks that, like I, um... I, I was speaking to um. Ben and Lou, I could be ready for this cage rise run if there's any pull ups and they want to catch weight, maybe like 160, 165. It'd be perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you put a tweet out the other day saying, Why isn't there a 165 division, oh, global division? It would. <laughs> so how much weight do you cut to get to the uh, welterweight? Normally, I, I walk around about 88 kg and I, I'll get down to about 85 during camp and then we'll start going down from there and from the last a week out is from about 80 but I'm not even cutting weight and I'm down to 83 so <laughs> that's wow. just purely because I've just upped the training um, so I don't know I don't know why, if, what's going to happen for this next fight camp whether I'd say I that's a good sign because that means that the, like you you even though you haven't got a fight schedule, you're still training hard and you know, you haven't eased off or whatever. Like you see, it seems like you're quite motivated to get back in there whenever that, you know, whenever the opportunity arises, it does seem like you're going to be ready from a training point of view. Um, and obviously we've had some positive news, obviously uh, slightly different in Wales, but like, in England, they seem to be aiming to get everything back to normal by um, what was he? What did he say? Mid June. So, you know, if everything goes to plan, which you know, who knows? After the last year, you could be looking at regular Cage Warriors events again, um, which is obviously a good thing all around. And, yeah, they'll and, they'll do them up and down the country as well, won't they? They, they could. Well, yeah, there's there's uh, there's just fighters everywhere now itching to fight, isn't there? Like. The guys who haven't got on these trilogy cards, the guys who have maybe recovering from injuries, the guys who are maybe 
fighting on smaller events but are not far off cage warriors there's you know there's there's guys everywhere itching to get uh, get involved in the fights so um as soon as yeah, they get the green as light as as fight as well, there'll be amateur fights everywhere oh yeah it's gonna like be the interesting ones are missing out more than like the professionals are missing out but they still got shows to go to amateurs got nothing yeah that's it mate that's it um couple of quick questions for you aaron which uh, we we had sent in uh, over the last couple of weeks for the for the guests uh, number one, where do you see yourself in five years? Fighting on a show that can generate enough money for me and my family. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's your favourite entrance music to come out to, and is it different to your, to your training music? Um, my entrance music changes every fight. It depends on mood I've got in for the camp, but I like it when I come out to Hellraiser. Like, that's my most enjoyable one so far. And, yes, yeah, definitely different to the music. I die like on like in training. Excellent. And uh, and then lastly, um, or last, it's like a double pronged question, really. Um, if you could fight any fighter, past or present, who would it be? Past or present, any fighter. Uh, I've always wondered why it'd be like to fight Carlos Condit. Like, like I like his style, especially because he's getting a bit less sharper than he used to now. Give <laughs> 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 me a good fight. <laughs> And then the second part of that question is, um, with all the celebrity and YouTuber fights which seem to be being made at the moment, whether it's boxing or MMA, uh, is there a YouTuber or a celebrity which you could you would like to fight, whether it be in boxing or MMA? Um, YouTuber, well, like a, I don't know. Who, I don't think I know. Who annoys you? I don't know. Yeah. Um, be a celebrity. I can't think of celebrities I'd know you. I couldn't really answer that question for you. I don't know. There you go. And uh, in your opinion, who will be the next British champion in the UFC? British champion in the UFC. Ooh, um... oh, I can't... Tom Aspinall. I think he's got the best chance at the moment. <laughs> so that moves us on quite nicely. Because, isn't it interesting, Dan... Um, and I don't mean this about you, Aaron, but just generally, we asked this que- I've asked that question to guests now the last four, four weeks, five weeks, and every single one has not said Leon Edwards, who's the highest-ranked British fighter in the UFC. And like we've talked about, um, Dan, like the media and the UFC maybe like not giving him his dues, and I think the knock-on effect from that is that people naturally forget about him because he hasn't fought him for so long and his fights keep getting called off. The UFC don't seem to really promote him. It's, yeah, it's a I weird don't think one, he, mate, isn't it? He, he didn't get a fight last year, did he at all, I don't think? No, no, he didn't. Um, obviously, I think he missed out. Uh, He's like 507 days, haven't he? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy, isn't it? Ridiculous. He's, um, he's got a fight now, though, isn't he, against um, yeah. that guy. Oh, what's that well, dude's name? Mohamed El, uh, I always forget his name. But, Balal. Um, Balal, Balal, yeah, Balal. he was uh, super impressive the other week. Um, so that's going to be a good one, that is. Uh, March 14th. But I'm glad they found him a fight because it did seem like that um, the Chimaya fight was just cursed. So hopefully yeah. they can just go back to that at a later date. But um, Tom Aspinall takes us nicely into what something I wanted to talk about. Um, 
obviously we had a, a heavyweight main event last night uh, between Cyril Gain and um, Rosenstruck. And uh, John Jones was watching along. And um, he said, uh, I'll, I'll quote him just to make sure I don't get it wrong. He said, uh, these boys better get used to pushing the pace. All this standing around it ain't going to fly when daddy comes home. Um <clears throat> He does seem like he's gearing up for his heavyweight debut, and it's going to be fascinating to see who they match him up against. But Danny, has he got a point with what he's saying there? He's basically saying that. Yeah, I mean, too, not too all the, for him. Yeah, we have seen some heavyweights, they really do throw down and go at it. Um, but that particular fight was really frustrating to watch, actually. Um, you know, Gain is quite an outside type of struggle, although he has caught some quite nice knees on the entry. Um, yeah, Rosenstruck frustrated me with that fight. It, it, I think he just played a terrible game. He, he really, really did. But yeah, with the look of that sort of performance, you know, it's not going to put any worry to someone like John Jones. You know, he's going to look and think, oh, "I'm just going to pick you guys apart," which he will do yeah. if they fight like that. You know, they're not going to match the, the sort of like skill set uh, of someone like John Jones. Look, John Jones has got really long reach. He's got the height for the heavyweight as well. He doesn't quite have the natural bulk and build, but it's for them to get hold of him. They, they got to make their big heavy punches land uh, by getting a move on. And if they want to take it to the ground, try and smother him, press him against him, they got to get a hold of him. And with that kind of performances I, I saw uh, with that particular bout, yeah, they're going to struggle with someone like John Jones. He's going to have the reach. He's going to have the speed. He's going to have the footwork advantage. Uh, yeah, he's going to have some easy fights. Yeah, it's gonna be. It really is gonna be fascinating to see who they uh, who they put him up against initially. If they give mm -hmm. him like a a sort of not an easy fight because I don't think there is an easy fight at, in the heavyweight division, but like a, a sort of fight which you'd expect him to win, or if they throw him in straight away with a sort of top three guy. Um, Aaron, what do you make of like John Jones' comments about the heavyweight division and just generally how you think he'll do? Um, if he, he's on about the fight in general last night, then yeah, he has a point watching them. But then if you watch someone like like Curtis Blades moves different, he has a different output to these those heavyweights and yeah. he got starts last week for that. If John Jones like he's he's gonna get a bit bigger, he's gonna get a bit more flat footed. He's lost his movements a lot in his last couple of fights are light heavyweight. Maybe he gets a bit I think he does need a fight before he fights for the title. A heavyweight. Yeah, like feel so, feel yeah. the weight. Feel what it's like to get hit by a heavyweight. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think um, me and Danny were talking earlier about it'd be interesting to see how he what his movements like because I felt at least that he got a bit bored with like heavyweight. Like he didn't feel like there was anyone who was going to trouble him, and he he just did it just enough to win the last couple of fights without really pushing himself I don't know whether that was because he's just getting older and he couldn't or whether it was a bit of lack of motivation he knew he was going to probably move to heavyweight he felt like there was no one really in that light heavyweight division who would trouble him um, so it'd be interesting who would you match him up against Aaron uh, for his first fight in the heavyweight division first fight in the heavyweight mm, probably Rose Strike or Overy Imagine over him. He's a big enough mm. name. He's not 
So what's Overeem? Overeem's ranked He's not the Overeem everyone knows what Overeem is. Yeah. Like, he looked yeah. terrible in his last fight, but he's still a big enough name. I think yeah. Danny, we talked about last week, was Junior Dos Santos, maybe, who's ranked 12th. Yeah, Dos Santos. Uh, you got Walt Harris as uh, Decas. But I also think you've got to put him in. It's like you've got to get it right. I mean, you've got to get it right. It needs to be someone fairly well known. Not really. You can't be Cowboy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. John Jones could go in there and smash over him. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's going to be really interesting. I hope they get it done soon because I want to. I want to see what it's going to be and what it's going to be like. Um, you know, how is it going to develop? So hopefully they they name a bloody fight for him soon. Uh, be interested. Another thing, uh, just from MMA news, I wanted to mention. Bellator MMA announced that they're uh, they're bringing in a ranking system because we've talked down about their rankings; they're just non-existent. It's impossible yeah. to find out. Like, if you went on their website, there was fighters on there who don't fight anymore, and it was very difficult to follow and, yeah. and sort yeah. of work out. You know, when you're trying to talk about it and you want to just talk about potential contenders, it was very difficult to work that out. Um, so they've announced uh, Khabib's brother, is it, or cousin? Cousin. Um, is fighting, uh, making his debut on April the 2nd. That'll be uh, a good one at uh, Bellator 255. Um, but with this ranking system, um, it's going to be really interesting. So they've got, I think it was a, a team of... 15 people independent adjudicators who will sort of vote or do the rankings it'll be really interesting how they go about that i gotta say um mm. it's long overdue though mate isn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah 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 they've got to do something i've actually um i, I think it's somewhat you know been disorganized for a long long time um i'm just trying to think who, who the owner was the owner used to be bjorg didn't didn't it but uh, who owns it who, who's the guy come uh, over scott, it's guy, scott coker scott coker yeah i've not been impressed with the way he's run things to be honest i think he ran strike force didn't he before he come over to bellator um and strike force was good but i've not liked what he's done with bellator to be honest with you i preferred it when that um bjorg uh Rebney, I think his name was. I, uh, yeah. I met and sat and had uh, breakfast a couple of times and that with him. And I really liked mm. his passion and his ideas. And I was really surprised when you know Scott Coker come along and took it over because um, he seemed to have really good innovative plans for Bellator. But mm. yeah, he didn't stick around. I don't know what that was about. Um, you know, the reasons why he never stuck around and why they got rid of him or however it was. I, I don't know what the situation was. Um, it's probably possible to find out, but yeah, I'm not being too impressed with Scott Coker to be honest. It's it's just disorganised. It's yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, it's really frustrating to uh, mm. to try and because a couple of times we've gone to talk about like Bellator and talk about some of the potential fights, and we've gone into like the website and stuff, and you can't find out like yeah, outside of maybe a couple of fighters. And then that makes it very difficult to talk sure. about their events and stuff like that yeah. because you can't. And, and, it's got like a mixed identity as well. It's like you, it's got it's like a little bit of its serious side, and then they have these really f bad looking freak show fights that don't do it any favors regards being taken seriously by the you know 
Civil yeah, War series they, and I'm making Mutiny. I think Bad Sorry, yeah. can make uh, different divisions like the Legends division. Yeah, yeah. They kind of, kind of don't hurt them as much as it would UFC. Yeah, yeah, it would be safer for them to put it off. As well. They've already got like their European like, uh, Twitter accounts and like their own section of fires. Just make a whole division for them. Mm. Give them, give them like the well, like European belt and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting was, what they do. Uh, do you think the rankings are in a well overdue when they like having yeah. that official yeah, system? Um, yeah, and like, they might even do they might even do a proper old man section, and I'll make a comeback. Yeah, I'll, I'll fight. Yeah, I fight John Kavanagh really. again in a super fight mat, uh, a match. Yeah, I could do with the money. There <laughs> we go. But the Europe, I think the Bellator European division is actually really good. Like there's some real good fighters only in that division, um, and like I have so like I, to be fair, like I've been quite critical of Bellator over the last sort of few months, or maybe a bit longer than that. But like one thing I have said is that they do seem to be trying to move in a slightly different direction away from the kind of the older fighters. Like obviously they signed Brett Johns, um, you've got people like Lewis Long, you've got um, Khabib's cousin coming in. They've they've and they've you know they there was an, a, a couple of other UFC fighters who kind of uh, have gone there. Um, there's a couple of really good young Irish fighters there. There's that um, who's the young the female. Um, Oh, what's her name? Sinead something. Sinead Kavanagh. Um, she looks really good. Um, she's been quite impressive. So there is signs that they're moving in that direction of focusing on. Because I think, particularly with the Bellator Europe, um, if you look at what Cage Warriors has done over the last couple of years, like there's a market to get the best young fighters from Europe. And put them on a better tour, put them on better tour shows, because I do think that people will buy into it, and I think that could be a good direction for them. So I'd be really interested to see. Um, as have they matched Lewis up yet, Aaron? No, like, not that I know of. I don't think like he's either a fight announced him, but he's he's on a couple same of fights. Same as me, he's training he? like like he is gonna get matched like he is. Waiting, for, just waiting for the call. Yeah, knee on a couple of fight win streak, um, Lewis. Lewis, he's on. Yeah, he won his last fight. He lost the one before that. Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah, I um, I knew he'd beaten the well, in Italy, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's one of them things. Bellator. Hopefully they uh, they keep. I'd be in. I will be. I'm. I'm interested in a couple of things they're going to be doing. Like I'm. Inter- you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing Brett Johns debut. And uh, I want to see obviously Lewis fight again. So it'll be interesting where they go. Um, there was some boxing last night. Um, uh, Canelo fought uh, Green, I think his name was. Uh, he beat him in three rounds snugly. Um, almost immediately, they announced that uh, Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders is on for the 8th of May. Um, that is interesting. Um, I've got to say, I don't think Billy Joe Saunders is going to beat him. Um, I really, I just think Canelo is too good. But it was the fight to make. It's like that super middleweight unification fight. It was the the right fight to make, uh, and I'm glad they're finally going to get it get it on. 
Um, do you think, uh, Aaron, I don't know how closely you follow boxing, mate, but do you give Billy Joe Saunders any chance in that fight? Um, I don't follow boxing that, that closely. Like, me and Lewis were speaking last night, and he was on about the boxing. He said, can I just run through some poor guy? <laughs> so yeah. I imagine Canelo just like ripped through this guy and I, I, I've watched Canelo fight a few times I've watched Billy Joe fight I think once or twice and I think Canelo, Canelo beats him yeah like, what about you Dan he'll prove he'll yeah. prove yeah. it's been too much yeah, Canelo's just in his absolute prime you know he's he's the best 30 that, 30 that mates that's all he is yeah yeah he's in his prime so yeah I think he's going to be hard to beat for anyone right now yeah, but it's fighting, mate. You never know. Fighting, uh, as, well, yeah, as, uh, as we all know, is, uh, is you just never know. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Let's talk UFC from last night. It wasn't a night of uh, finishes. Um, oh, one thing, Aaron, before we go to UFC from uh, last night. What fights are you looking really looking forward to on that Cage Warriors card, which have been announced uh, so far? Ben has his fight with Manny Akman. Just to watch Ben prove to everyone he's 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 a monster. Um, what other fights have they announced? They've announced uh, James Webb, Matthew Bono. I think that'll be a good fight. Uh, yeah. Um, There's uh, Jordan Vucinic versus uh, Morgan Sherrier for the featherweight title. Yeah, that'll be a good fight. I mean, they um, they they always they all, they only got good fights they're going to put on. Yeah, like all their fights are going to be interesting to watch. Especially because it's the guys who are probably fought in the recent trilogies. So you've kind of kept up with them so far. They've stayed relevant. Yeah. And also, our our guest next week is uh, is fighting uh, Martinez. And it's uh, Paddy the Baddy Pimblet is joining us next week, which I'm really uh, looking forward to having a good chat with the, the Scouse one. I'm just not going to talk about football because I can't. I just can't handle it. I can't handle the... <laughs> The, the Liverpool. I always keep having jibs of people on Twitter about football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get into a lot of arguments. He argues with everyone now, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to having a chat with uh, with Paddy. He's going to be good. I haven't spoke to him for a, a, a long while, so it's going to be a good one. Just having a look at some of those other fights, um, Danny. There's um, Kira Lister versus Decky McLaren. I think that looks like a good one. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, there's, there is some really interesting matchups. So Cage Warriors do put on some amazing, well thought out bouts. You know, they they're mm. not just throwing you know names in a hat and shaking it up. They're, they're making some really interesting matchups that make a really um and ah about which direction the fight might go. I mean, you know, not all the time they can match up with, you know, um, you know every fighter so that. It's yeah. always going to be such a close deal, but they do put fights on where you're like, who's going to win that? And they end up being such enthralling bouts, so really are good. And that's all down to Ian Dean. I think predominantly he's the one that does all the matchmaking. So, yeah, there's uh, going to be some interesting tear-ups. Yeah, we've got Paul, Paul Hughes is fighting James Hendon. That's going to be another good Yeah, one. that's another that, really um, good one. Mate, that's Saturday night. Main event, Morgan Cherrier versus Jordan and Paddy Pimblett versus David Martinez. Mm -hmm. That yeah. in itself is a like yeah, what those two fights are just they sell a card, don't they? Um, yeah, yeah. So and that's on the third night of fights. So um, it's going to be fascinating, mate. Fascinating to see uh, 
see how they progress. Yeah. Um, Danny, what did you make of the UFC last night? Because um, there wasn't a great deal of finishes. There wasn't, but having finishes is not necessarily what makes a fantastic card. It's uh, about interesting no. matchups. And um, one of the female bouts was super interesting. Um, I really enjoyed uh, watching that. Um, just trying to did recall I their call names. That last, did I call that last week, Ben? Did I not? Say uh, I, 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 yeah, fight. but what, what an absolute <laughs> war of nutrition on both the ladies. They both performed excellently. Such an interesting bout. It really, really was. You can see these two getting it on again in the near future at some point. But, uh, yeah, I, I was. I really enjoyed the bouts. What can I say? For, considering there weren't no flamboyant submission finishes and no, um, you know, no crazy knockouts or anything, it was good. It was good. There were good matchups. Yes, indeedy. There was only one. I was just looking now. There was one finish on the whole card, which is, that's there. Uh, I wonder if there's ever been a UFC card where there's never been a finish. There must have I been imagine one. So. Yeah, but I imagine so. There was a TKO on the prelims. That was yeah, it. Yeah, I think there has been before. I remember it really. What about it? Like, it was the yeah. longest running card with each fight decision. Yeah, I was going to say wow. that card yeah, yeah, yeah. went on forever. Um, okay. One thing I will say, Pedro Munez is back with a bang because I said last week I've been a bit disappointed with him lately. And boy, he was... Uh, yeah. Impressive, but let's uh, yeah. let's go fight by fight. We're not, as we said before, we've changed it up a bit, so we're not uh, not going round by round. We we'll just give our general views of it. Um, so the first fight in the main card was uh, Alex Caracas versus David. Uh, sorry, Kevin Kroom, uh with Caress, Alex Caracas winning by unanimous decision, 30-26, Danny. What did you make of this one? Because it seems from the scorecard, it was quite one-sided. Yeah, um, well, it, not necessarily so when you watch it. It was actually quite a hard one to score on, on, mm. on the couple of the rounds, really. Um, Kevin Groom just looked sloppy, is the only thing I can say. But his work ethic to just push, push and push, because um, there against the fence was really, really impressive. He just kept on really driving to a point of absolute exhaustion. But his entries were always sloppy. And um, you know, he was gaping his arms on the entry, getting under-pummeled. And as you fatigue, those under-pummels start creating lift and you start receiving knees. And then beyond that, you start getting lift and then getting your back taken, which is what happened in the third round. He just allowed the guy to under-pummel and keep lifting up on, on his entries. And that's really hard work. You know, It's not easy. But he seemed so fearful of um, Kateris striking. He looked like he had a whole load of anxiety in his body when he threw out his shots to enter in the way he did. Um, I just mm. think if he just kept himself calm and had a little bit more confidence in his striking and actually drew Keras out into a striking match, he would have got perhaps a clean entry and maybe get the takedown on the shoot rather than driving against a fence and wrestling him down, getting stood back up. He looked like he exerted himself for very, very little reward. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think sometimes the strategy of Groom was a, a, a little bit off. Um, Definitely lacking in technical tidiness um, and maybe should be working a little bit towards making his improvements by uh, doing his takedowns off of striking combinations because it didn't look like he was doing it very well. And yeah, yeah, that's sort of like my, my main take on what I saw with that particular performance. Um, what did you think of uh, Kevin Kroom's performance and in turn Alex Carasses' performance, Alan? Uh, I agree with Danny. I think it was Kevin. It was just he looked sloppy, like he looked desperate. 
Mm. I thought Alex's takedown defense was, was great. Um, yeah, very he, good. He punished Groom first takedowns as well. It was great. Like even when he hit the ground, he, threw, he was throwing up submissions and elbows and stuff. He never, Groom never let, tried suffocating Alex, but Alex was like suffocating Groom in his own mm. by his own like uh, offense. Just yeah, just punished him for where the fight went. And uh, but that just goes down to experience as well. Like Alex Casares has been in the UFC for, for years now. He's fought, he's grown up in the UFC, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's um, he went in quite young, if I recall as well, didn't he? So he's like you say, he's grown up in the UFC, which I think mm. does give you that psychologically. There's less pressure on you because you feel at home yeah. when you're in the, in on the big stage. Whereas if you've got a fighter coming in who's perhaps a bit nervous, a bit anxious, it can show in their performance. And yeah, I think Danny, you said, and and both. Both of you said, like he was a bit anxious in his approach. Yeah, um, um, you you know someone's struggling when they start trying to drag on the hips and, and try and drag someone to the mat, um, and that was literally what you saw. Now the type of takedown that he was doing was just not executed very well. You're supposed to drop on one knee, have one foot up, and trip them. It's it's almost like you you stand your mate behind and they don't know you stood behind you. You push them and they fall over. You really need their feet to lift the floor. But what he done was he hung on him. He hung on the hips, yeah. dropped down really, really low. And, of course, even though he got it to the mat, he couldn't control it on the mat and ended up underneath a lot of the times. Um, yeah, it was just lack of crisp execution, not not, not great entry off mm. the combination of his strikes. And, and even when he got the clinch, it just wasn't able to be clinical with with the way that he, he got Keras down. So, yeah, lessons to be learned um, from him really he's going to have to tidy up somewhat if he wants to make any kind of impact in the division because there's guys that will punish him even more so um, than, than, yeah. than what he did last night so yeah yeah I think when you're in that UFC slot mate there's um, there's no room for that sloppiness and that mistakes because the even the guys at the bottom of the rankings if you like will punish you like yeah. there's, there's just no room for error you've got to be at the tip top of your game in all yeah aspects. i mean look, look we times. saw it look, we saw it with blades i mean uh, blades he's, he's got good takedowns he's um, very good and, and, well. and he's got he's got very good strikes as well but he didn't blend the strikes with the entry and and so you know Derek lewis was, was waiting for that uppercut and it's not like he was hiding the fact that he was waiting to play counter uppercut it was there several times uh, but the, he had no um preparation in his training camp to be able to modify on the job he just couldn't get it together to, to make the linkage between striking and wrestling and and so he got found out with that up yeah for sure um next up was pedro munez ranked eight versus jimmy riviera ranked nine i think danny if i go off my memory we both went for riviera or i might have i might have gone with munez just to keep yeah it you normally go opposite just yeah i mean uh, i didn't see that coming this one, yeah, I really I've been do. very, very disappointed with Pedro Munez the last couple of fights. Um, but boy, uh, did he come back in style. I just thought his leg kicks looked like they were a couple of years ago, sharp. And they, they he tore up Jimmy Riviera's legs in the first couple of rounds so badly that Riviera could barely stand. And then in the yeah. third round, Riviera was giving it everything from the boxing point of view. And he, he caught him a couple of times. And you're thinking, oh my God, he's going to... You know, he's going to catch him and knock him out after having his legs torn up. But, um, Aaron, what did you think of the Munez-Jimmy Riviera fight? 
I thought um, it was great, great yeah, to watch. It was a real good fight. Like they were both, both were, neither of them were afraid to bang once they went in the pocket. Like you, you, you kept thinking like, every time they exchanged, I was like, someone's gonna get caught and clipped on the way out of you. Yeah, yeah. Like they both, they both go throwing down. But yeah, Nunes looked good. He looked real good last time. Yeah, it was um, it was nice to see because when you see a fighter, obviously he's been, you know, he's had a lot of fights, and he gets a bit slower and a bit thing. You do start to worry, or is he, you know, is his age catching up with him, Dan? But I think he put that to bed last night, didn't he? He did. He, he played a really good strategy. He was sharp at all times, so he held really good form for the whole duration. You have to against someone like Rivera. Rivera sits down on his shots like not many other athletes can. He sits down on the shots and he throws and throws really hard. But the consequence of that is that you do have a set wide base and it's going to be open to target of that leg kick. Um, you know, and it, it started to land and it started to have effect very, very early on. And look, Riviera is so fearless normally. He's so, so fearless. But you actually saw him on the back pedal at times where that leg was bothering him that much. I liked it that he did try to show some good fight IQ and started trying to enter for the takedown, but it was like Munoz just knew what his next go-to would have to be. Once he wrecked the leg and the effectiveness of the hands was taken away from Riviera, he knew he was going to have to start entering in on that takedown attempt, and he had it all covered. He had it all covered. He, he, he had game plan A, B, and C all set in order. It was just a great strategy being played out in motion and yeah Manunas is back indeedy um, the next fight was uh, Montana De La Rosa versus Myra Bonas Silva um, this one went to this. a majority draw I said last week watched out for this fight best fight of the, I watched think this fight, this fight of the fight. night uh, I don't know whether they got fight of the night but it deserved it you didn't you didn't oh my god what a tear this was I'm glad brilliant. Probably is good, good fight because I would have not watched it, boys. Yeah, I am. Um, like I said, there's not many times that I can say like ahead of a time that I got it right. But I'm. Um, I said to Danny last week, watch this fight. You it's did. Be good. And yeah, um, you did. Oh, it didn't disappoint. It was exceptional. It's so good to watch. Um, yeah. Did you agree with the draw, Danny? Because um, I think one judge had it at twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't know how this was going to go, but <laughs> yeah, I probably would because of the point deduction. Um, I could see how that would go to a draw. Um, but Bianca Silva's clinch game is just she, she knees like a man, she punches like a man, she elbows like a man. Just absolute difference. And you see a ground a pound as well. Every one of them could have knocked someone out, you know, whether you're male or female. She hits that hard. She just generates so much ferocity. She's a very, very mean, nasty individual with the way she throws those shots. Utterly interesting. But in the early stages, De La Rosa was really succeeding with her crosshand and her punching combinations. And from the very, very early onset, I thought it was going to be uh, De La Rosa going to start dominating on the striking with her hands. But just for a few clinch exchanges from Bianca Silva, just started to take the pace out of De La Rosa. And because the pace got taken out of her, she started getting clinched up a lot. And then she lost her confidence out in the open with her boxing. Her hands suddenly got more slow. And she, and she was relying on her wrestling, which she's a good wrestler to know. But, of course, in those wrestling exchanges, 
because she was getting a little bit gassy, you weren't getting her down cleanly, and then mm. consequently was out being stuffed and then drawn back into that tie clinch, eating elbows galore, knees galore, and um, and she did see her safe underneath with that brutal ground of pound as well. But with all of that said, Della Rosa, she ground out and eventually did get the takedown. Um, she ended up dominating one of the rounds. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was round two that she ended up dominating. She ended up getting the top position, really, really controlled the affairs of things. And you started thinking maybe she's found a ways to, you know, turn this bout around and get it back in her favour. But the third round was a complete mix again. Um, but really, uh, Bjorn Silva started to really steal the show, just clinching up time and time again, turning it into almost like a tie fight. It was really, really impressive. But of course, in the first round was a, a point deduction. I actually really respect the ref for making such a solid decision. It was a grab on the fence that would have stopped the takedown. And who knows what would have happened from then? You know, there was some mission opportunities from De La Rosa. Maybe she would have had a cleaner, more um, more realistic submission attempt had she got her down in the first round without that uh, fence grab. We could have been yeah. talking about a very different result. But look, that being said, what a fantastic fight for us as fans to watch. Um, yeah. Both these girls are going to have fantastic careers. They've both got a lot to give um, in that division. We're going to see much more of them um, with successes, and I think we're going to see these two fight again at some point in the near future as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, a given. Um, my frustration, my only frustration with the point uh, deduction is I just wish that they was consistent. Because, like, we talked about, yeah. which fight was it on the cage? It was Jordan's fight, wasn't it, on the yeah, yeah. cards in that first round where he had he was just about to slam him down after taking a bit of heat early on in the fight. And uh, he, the guy grabbed the cage, stopped the takedown, and yep. no one said anything. And it was like, it just won that consistency. So yeah. it is rightly that, that last night that point was taken. But let's get these referees having the, I don't, I don't want to say the guts, but like the confidence to say no, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a point deduction. You yeah, know look, you shouldn't be doing it. Ref, don't do it. The, like. the thing is with refereeing, they're people and people have personalities. Some people are quite assertive and quite dominant in nature and they make a decision and they push through with that decision. Some um and ah and, and, um, and, and some don't push through with a decision uh, which should be pushed through. Uh, they just let things go. It, it's a personality trait thing, I think, that's, that's being witnessed. But the way the ref ref that fight, I think that point deduction was absolutely apt and absolutely needed. It stopped the takedown and needed to be punished. If they did that more consistently, it would stop these cage grabs. You, you, you can't tell me that you're doing all the rounds and you're grabbing at the fence at any opportunity to try to get away with it and try and train yourself to get away with it. Um, it just shouldn't be in your game to do so. But if it does happen, make it heavily punished. Trust me, no one will grab that bloody fence if you start deducting a point each time it is grabbed. It just won't happen. They, they, they will learn. 100%, mate. Aaron, do you agree with that, mate? Yeah. Yeah, it is, it's, 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 they're cheating to get an advantage. So, yeah, they shouldn't mm. be punished for it. Because it yeah. sways the momentum of the fight. It changes a lot of things. Like mentally and physically in the fight, it changes a lot of things. Yes. Spot on, gentlemen. Uh, next up was uh, Mahmed Ankalov, ranked number 11, versus Nikita Krylov, who's one of my favourites just because I love his name, uh, with Ankalov getting the victory via unanimous decision at 29-28 uh, all across the boards. Aaron, what did you make of uh, this one? Uh, 
good fight, uh, Ankalaev. I think he, he looks good. And he does. He, it's got to be said. He looks. He, uh, they they put up the the stat like the most exciting wings at light heavyweight, and he was in the mix there with like the likes of Liddell, Kusasan, uh, John Jones, like these top tier names. Like he mm. he deserves a top tier name now after that, that performance. I think. Yeah, I think uh, it's difficult to say that he does as well. Six six wins. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to make a case for him not getting one of those big names now. I think, isn't it? It's it's just the way you know he's put together those wins. He's 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 been impressive in everything he does. Um, and you know, Nikita Krylov is a couple of rankings above him as well. You know, and he. He beat him fairly handily. Um, Danny, what did you make of this one, mate? I actually thought Karlov did very, very well. Um, I thought Akaliev was going to run through him. I think that was my expectancy. I, I just thought that the power and precision of his strikes was going to prove too much and he was going to mm. get him to fold. But we actually saw Karlov landing some successful shots of his own. He was really mixing up the blend of punches, kicks and, and takedown attempts to really make it uh, a difficult affair for uh, Kalov, but Kalov just kept his cool. I think predominantly that's what got him winning through in the end. He kept him cool, himself cool, and he started to figure out uh, Krylov's multiple approach to the match um, and started to really get his successes. And he, he consolidated himself, didn't he, more in that third round. But yeah. up until that third round, I thought Krylov actually really took it to him at times and stopped uh, and Kalev looking so dominantly in the striking that we so often have seen him in the past. So fair play to Kalev. He he really did did himself no disservice in this fight. Um, I think he kept himself relevant at all times in there. But look, you know, you said how many what six wins in a row? I think yes, uh, Aaron said. Yes. And that's impressive to do in UFC in any division. And yeah, he's got to be stepping right up amongst the mix now and, and start stiffing at being a contender in that division. Yeah, I think that's. Um... That's a fair, uh, fair assumption, but yeah, I thought Nikita Krylov did right. I like uh, I he did like good. Nikita yeah, it was a good fight. Mm. Enjoyable fight, I'd say. Um, and then uh, next up, we had the, the heavyweight main event of Cyril Gagne, he's, uh, number seven ranked versus Jairzinho Rosenstruck, ranked number four, uh, with Ga Cyril Gagne uh, picking up the victory, fifty forty-five all across the board. Um, the one thing I'd say about this, I was very disappointed with Rosenstruck uh, and yeah. just his general performance. Um, mm. I can't remember who I went to first last time. Danny, what did you make of this one? Frustration. Uh, I was utterly frustrated watching this. Uh, it was not the fight I thought I'd see. It's not the fight plan that Rosenstruck should, should have been doing, staying on the outside of, of, of Cyril Gaines. Striking. You know, clearly Cyril Gaines an outward striker he, he looks really clinical he likes to keep people right on the ends of his techniques and so you've got to find push through and ruffle his feathers a little bit Rosentrick just didn't do it it was almost like he was punch shy he's actually looking yeah. punch shy um, and at the times that he did go forward he, he would have a big consequence on games um, uh, form and it looks like he could start ruffling his feathers but he just keep doing it he just looked twitchy his work rate was really, really low. And oh, it's just like waiting for a fireworks display to start. But the rain come and just, 
it just pissed all Damn. over it. It just Damn was utterly frustrating. I, it was so annoying, so annoying. The whole way through, I was thinking, it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen soon. I thought he was just going to uh, release so, some something, release something, but he just didn't. But look, you know, regardless of that, game just looked really good. The thing I liked about his game was um, I really liked the way he threw the knees off the break. I liked the way he struck off the break. Um, and even his actual wrestling, he shot in really well times. Uh, when Rose did look like he was going to go in, he shot in on that crutch and high single and uh, looked really good. You know, you, know, you can see he's um, moving to becoming more well-rounded. Look, people have got to start stopping this guy soon because... He's just going to get better and better every fight. He's clearly a big man. He actually looked bigger. I think their stats were six four apiece, but he actually looked quite a bit bigger than huge. Rosen. Yeah, he looks huge. I mean, yeah, he he's really is a massive, massive dude. And once this guy gets more complete and more rounded, he's going to be a hard guy to contend with. Because I mean, look at that body. He's clearly genetically gifted and athletic. Um, yeah, we're going to see bigger and better things from this guy. It's interesting, isn't it? Because. He's getting better with each fight, is yeah. uh, Cyril Gagne. And it's almost like you're waiting for someone to, you know, just be more experienced or a bit, bit more clever or something. And, like, Rosenstruck is an experienced fighter. And yeah. he just didn't have the answers for Cyril, uh, Cyril Gagne for his game plan. I, I very uh, it was almost a bizarre performance in some ways from uh garnier because uh not garnier uh rosenstruck because like you said you were just waiting for him to to bring it and it just never came um do you think that's down to garnier being that good and maybe we just don't quite realize it yet because he's he's not all like he's not quite as polished as what he can be or did Rosenstruck not turn up? I think um, Rosenstruck was going to try, like Danny said. I think he, he's, he's going to be nervous because that loss against Francis was his first KO, wasn't it? First KO loss. Mm. And yes, Francis is a big, so, yeah. powerful, not the best technical striker in the world. Garnet's a big, powerful striker. And I think within the first few combinations, that the encounters they had together, I think Rose yeah. felt the power and was like, oh, I, I can't engage him. Yeah. So he tried looking for that counter, but then I think Garnet worked uh, Rose struck out very quickly. I just mm. beat him ahead each round. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I thought Garnet was going to take him round submitting. I, I, I know it was random, but I thought Garnet was going to submit him and win by yeah. submission, but he just, he just wanted to pull ahead each round, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, I thought he, um, he just, he felt, he it felt like he felt very comfortable in there. Yeah, um, like yeah. he didn't have to step it up a gear, he, he, which he clearly can. He looked good against Dos Santos when Dos Santos was coming at him. But, um, mm. he, yeah, like, he didn't feel like he needed to step up like you. Yeah, I wonder, like, you wonder how many gears he's got to go up from there because he did enough to win comfortably. But I'd be interested... I would be really interested to see him go up against like a, a big name from that division now, just to see, uh, like, just to see if you know he's improving each fight. It'd be real interesting to see who they put him up against next. Maybe Curtis Blades would be uh, a good fight for him next. That's the next in the rankings above Rosenstruck. But obviously, Curtis Blades coming off a loss, 
Danny, do you think Curtis Blades would be a good one for Gagne? Or would you put him against one of the big boys like Derek Lewis or... No, no, no. Uh, no, no, I think that would be, a, I think that'd be a good matchup. I think that'd be really Feels good. Like that the certainly natural, next natural progression, than that to go to yeah. Blades next. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be good. Good matchup. No, no doubt, about, doubt about that one. Would you go with Blades, Volkov? Uh, Volkov? Who? Yeah. Oh Volkov. yeah, Volkov. Yeah. yeah. He's not bigger than. Yeah. 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 yeah that, he's, that's he's what huge. I would quite like to see. Actually, is someone who is like visibly bigger than him. Uh, yeah, see how we deal with that. Yeah, give him something different to, to deal did, with. And did anyone see um, any of the prelims? Because one of the prelims I did want to watch because uh, that that Thiago Mises versus yeah, Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, because it, I think he's like a world jiu-jitsu champion. He that Mises. Yeah. Um, I, I presumed I was going to see him get in there and shoot and try and get it to the ground, but he's actually a really good striker. Um, if no one's seen that fight on the prelims, um, that that's one to watch. Alexander I mean, Hernandez um, versus Tiago yeah. Moises. Hernandez has a very MMA style of striking, and what I mean by that is he's constantly switching his stances, which you, you're going to start seeing more and more of. People are going to learn to fight both ways, and um, not to fixate in one way, but to constantly float from left leg forward, right leg forward, because this is how you're going to end up having to deal with these shin kicks. You can't stay in one stance anymore. You, you've got to come forward, making these clear step forwards, and you've got to also use your retraction. This is something you're going to see more and more of. So um, you, know, you saw someone trying to introduce this more modern way of, of striking with the footwork against Thiago uh, uh, Moises, who, like I said, was uh, as far as I'm aware, I think he's a world jiu-jitsu champion. Um, clearly a very, very good grappler, but his striking was very, very accomplished. Um, he did stick... Um, to left leg forward, right leg back. He did none of the footwork switching, but what he did was he just laid and prayed with the counters. And my God, he was so, so crisp with his cross hand and uh, started introducing some kicks into the mix in the latter rounds. He just looked like an extremely composed, intelligent um, martial artist. And I really think we're going to see this guy start really clapping onto the scene in a big way in the next coming years. Um, I'll give it two years. I think he'll be in the, right amongst the top 10 in that division he looks very very special big words danny big predictions mate. yeah what did you big i want to know aaron's take on it what, what did you think of what you saw from yeah, it because i i like that hernandez i think he fights at a good high pace like those people yeah yeah he does i watching like he fought uh darius and it was a close fight with darius as well mm. so i knew he yeah up with a high pace yeah um, yeah they both their strikers both their, their flint work their movements um moist is very basic it is his footwork where Hernandez was switching and moving and levels yeah. and it was you could see Moist just pulled away each round and then in the third round he really pulled away yeah he did he figured him out didn't he and um, I, I think I don't know whether you would agree with this assumption but when I was watching Hernandez because he, he was switching his stance so much whatever was his back leg when he was coming forward he'd always skip it uh, he would either lift it off the floor or it'd end up pulling behind his lead leg. he ended up creating a really slow, shallow stance as he come in. And I think that yeah. was making him off balance to be able to push deep. So he was coming in really, really well with the lead side, whichever side he switched with. But he was unable to bring the cross hand into the equation. And um, I think that was really the thing that stopped him being able to drive Moses back and, and ruffle his feathers and break him from his form was the fact that he just couldn't introduce the rear side of it into the, the combinations that back leg constantly come round 
and I don't think that was correct for his footwork. I like the switching, but I think the way he come forward on his strike, and when I work with my boxing coach, you know, he, he really watches what happens with that back foot, and, um, and and he weren't doing the right thing in my in, in my assumption of it anyway. But uh, if he can put that to right, so I think Hernandez a be a force to be yeah, reckoned with, but he just yeah, because he yeah, because yeah, like you can't yeah, you can't sit down when your when your back foot comes right behind yeah. your lead foot heel. How can you sit down in your shots? You're on a balance beam, and uh, that was the one thing that was missing, and that could have been a very very different fight. But really impressed with Moises. I, I think he's he's going to come up through those ranks. Yeah, I haven't watched that fight yet, so I'm going to have a little uh, yeah. can have a little nose of that now when we uh, when we finish. But um, just uh, you mentioned uh, your I or I mentioned your prediction for Moises there, um, and it was a big prediction, Danny. And uh, yeah, yeah. You, let's get to predictions for next week, mate, because we have a very big UFC show next week. Oh boy, um, there's some fights on this card. And I'm very excited and interested to hear what you two think uh, some of these fights are going to go. Uh, so next week is UFC 259. They are The events are flying. Um, there's some incredible fights on this card. Let's have a look. Um, any fight in particular, Aaron, next week, which you're really looking forward to outside of the main event? Outside the main event? Oh, um... Just to make it hard to get, for you. you to remind you, so you have to get it up. That's what I'm right, doing on, right I'll, now. Because um, I can't. I'll, 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 I'll can't go through the fights. I'll go through the fights. I'll go through the fights, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Um, so on the prelims, the main fight on the prelims is Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. Dominic Cruz heading up the prelims is a an interesting decision by the UFC. I think it's probably to try and get those eyes in on the prelims, but that's a massive name. To put on the prelims, Danny, who you got? Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny. I'm going to go Casey Kenny. Wow. I think Cruz is on his way out. I really do, and I love mm. Dominic Cruz. But when you've got a style like that, you, you you have to be a young gun. You have to be really super sharp to play that kind of erratic footwork. And I don't know. I just think he, he's just he's an edge off his old pace, and I think that's not not good enough in today's climate of UFC. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to go with Dominic Cruz for that one. Who have you got in that one, Aaron? I want to say Casey Kenny because I agree with Danny Dominic's on the way out. Like, he's, he's been exposed to it. His style is very... gets exposed to a lot of the leg kicks. Casey mm. Kenny will put that on him and notice it. Um, but I'm going to go with Dominic Cruz. I'm going to think... I, I'm going to hope that we see a good good performance from Dominic. Mm. Yeah, there's, um, there's some massive fights on the prelims. I'm not going to go through every single fight. I'm just going to pick a selection. But another fight on the prelims is uh, a flyweight bout, rank number two versus rank number three, Joseph Benavidez versus Ashkar Askarov. Oh, uh, Aaron, you tech. go first. Who do you think's got that one? I don't think Askar got it. I think mm. Joseph, in the last two two last fights, he took too much damage. I like, agree, yeah. He, 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 Figueroa looked after him in both fights. Yeah, like brutally brutalized him in both fights. I think he's taking too much damage, and these these new flyweights coming up, these new hungry flyweights are uh, just never levels. Uh, what about you, Dan? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Benedictus just not looking quite himself, and he's never been the most tidy technically, anyway. Mm. And and I, I just think 
yeah, I think time's beginning to tell on him now. Uh, I, I think he's going to struggle. Fair enough, mate. Um, so, I just had a look at the early prelims. The last yeah, no, they got, the they got prelims. They got Tim Elliott versus Jordan Espinosa. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That's on the early prelims. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's move to the main card because uh, this is just ridiculous. Um, the first fight on the main card: Thiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic in a light heavyweight oh. bout. Oh. Ranked two versus four. Danny, you're up first. Who you got? Rakic. Uh, I think he's just looking extremely, extremely good lately. Yeah, he has looked pretty special. To be fair, um, Aaron. I'm going to go Rakic as well. Just purely because Santos got stopped in his last fight. Mm. Uh, Fair enough. Rakic is, is... He sits back a lot in his fights, so he? And he's powerful enough to sit back. Mm. And Santos is, is not someone who's going to sit back and wait, so he's going to engage, I think. Santos yeah. And uh, Rakic's power eventually. Yeah. I think that's fair, mate. I think that's fair. Um... Next up is I'm gonna go Rakic as well. I can't go against Rakic. Uh, light a lightweight bout between Islam Makachev and Drew Dober, fourteen versus fifteen. <laughs> That's gonna be a good one. Uh, Danny, you're up first. I'm I'm gonna go Drew Dober. I, I think he's gonna end up knocking Islam out. Ooh. I think he'll knock him out. Now that is interesting, mate. Uh, what about you, uh, Aaron? Who you got? There, I'm gonna go for uh, Is Islam. I'm gonna, go, exactly. I'm gonna go. He's gonna go. Your last decision beat him. I'm gonna go with. Uh, oh, I can't decide. I'm gonna go so with... hard, aren't it? These matchups are so hard to. I'm gonna go steer. with Drew Dober. Drew Dober, there. I think. Yeah. Um, next up is a bantamweight title match between Petter Jan and Aljamain Sterling. And by the way, not even the co-main event. Uh, Aaron, you're up first, mate. Who's winning the bantamweight title? Or oh, I've not? got a Peter. Peter I Jan. Think, I think he's going to beat. Um, I think you'll KO Sterling. I think you'll catch him with something. It's a bold shout. What you got there, Danny? Yeah, Peter Jan. I, I just think he's just going to bring some ferocity to the table. That everything this guy does, he does with full bore and full intent. Um, I think it's just going to be too much for Andrew Sterling. And, and Andrew Sterling is brilliant. It really, really is. But I think he'll he'll struggle to to dumb down the heat of Peter Jan. Peter Jan's just going to be too explosive for him. Yeah, I think so. Uh... I'd like to make it interesting by going against you. <laughs> I, I'm struggling. Uh, I'm going to mm. go with Petty Jan there. And then uh, the co-main event of the evening, the women's featherweight title match, Amanda Nunes, the champion, versus Megan Anderson. Is Megan the one, Danny? No, unfortunately not. I mean, a great fighter, don't get me wrong, but she's done nothing that gives me the feeling that she can match Nunes. I think Nunes is just... On top of the world at the moment, and uh, I don't think anyone's gonna take her from that position anytime soon, just yet. Yeah, I, uh, I'm the same, mate. I just don't see it. But um, I, you know, the fight I want to see, mate. We talked about it last week. Yeah. Um, make that 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 Nunes match with her, or just because I just feel like 
otherwise you are just you just bide in time like there's no look it's a fight of course Megan Anderson could win yeah but, you know what I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nunes resign uh, uh, you know uh, retires retires at the top I, I, yeah I really wouldn't be surprised I hope not I'd be quite gutted if that was the case mate I've got to be honest but you know you couldn't blame her though could you like like who else she could fight really yeah, she's done it all, literally done it all. Mm. Um, what about you, Aaron? How do you see that one going? Yeah, I agree. I think Nunes is going to run through her. Like, she hasn't shown anything to, what, to make this fight worry Nunes. So, like, yeah. you know, uh, Anderson's going to strike with her. So it's going to be fun in that aspect, but I think Nunes is going to be too powerful for her. Mm. Yeah, I just struggle. I was a little, little surprised that they put this. Megan Anderson was the choice, um, but I suppose you know maybe there's a, a a school of thought that she's earned a title shot, and I I, I fully understand that. Yeah, but she's not the one for me. I gotta be honest, she's not the one to beat the one, as it were, because uh, Amanda Nunes is just special. Uh, next up, Jan Blauchewicz versus Israel Adesanya in the light heavyweight title match. Um, this is a big fight for uh, Israel because he cannot afford to lose. Uh, Aaron, how do you see this one going? Uh, I think Izzy outcoats some striking and then eventually TKO's in, in like the later rounds, maybe the fifth or fourth round. Okay. But you've got to be careful of that um, Jan's power of you. So I think, but I think Izzy's that crafted in striking that he will. He will play the evasive game and just drag Jan into a deep water battle. Drag him to where he doesn't want to be, basically, I think. Yes. Yeah. You think he's going to be his game plan. Danny, what about you, mate? How do you see this one going? Do you, uh, yeah. do you see Jan or do you see Izzy in the future? Yeah, I mean, look, I think if Israel uh, Adesanya wins it, I think he's going to win it exactly how Aaron says. Um, if Blashwich wins it, it's because he's going to He's going to make Israel feel the power, and not just in the striking, but in the clinch, in the grappling. I and it's going to be a case of like who's going to be able to steer it where and be effective most. Um, I think Blatter is going to take Israel Denisanya into the kind of waters he's not been into before. I think he's going to press hard against the fence as well. I think he's going to get him down at some points. This is over five rounds, and I think that'll end up wearing on actually Adesanya rather than on Blatterich. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Blashridge. I think Blashridge's got more chance of having a bigger impact on his waters than the other way around. Yeah, yeah, for sure, 100%, mate. Um, and that wraps us up as uh, we get ready for that. But it's... Um, oh, yeah, such a good card. It's so nuts. good. I just think... Um, it's just insane, mate. I think, like, we've had a lot of loaded cards over the last years or two. You know, they get bigger and bigger, like the fights. But that... Is the most loaded card I've ever seen. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be watching most of the prelims as well on that one. There's yeah. just too many good ones on the prelims, let alone the main card. I, I just wish it was one of those which started at like seven o'clock in the evening. Oh the yeah, UK. I know. Isn't it a shame it's not like Fight Island that they was on like seven o'clock at night? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's a three a.m. start for us in the UK. If you watch it live, which I might. As a special treat because it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good one. 
But uh, yeah, that's it for today, this week. Next week, we've got Paddy the Baddy Pimblet joining us, so don't miss that. If you've got any questions for Paddy, of course, send them to the usual places. Uh, social media, email, all in the bio and description below. Aaron, it's been a pleasure. I know you're getting invaded by the, the kids. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good. Appreciate good your time. talking to you again. Yep, well done, Aaron. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, no, I really appreciate your time, mate. I know uh, you're a busy man, so I appreciate you giving us so much of your time. Danny, as ever, pleasure. Guys, subscribe, youtube.com slash Nation. Yeah! <laughs> and uh, check out uh, Away Day Apparel and uh, use the code AA Podcast Nation to get 10% off all orders. they got some phenomenal new T-shirts and stuff. Uh, so particularly if you are uh, supporters of different football clubs, they've got uh, t-shirts based around Bur Blur Park Life album cover, but with different football grounds and stuff. Really nice stuff. There's some good stuff. Get this nice baseball cap here, and uh, among other things, use that code at the bottom. AA Podcast Nation, ten percent off. www.awaydayapparel. Check them out. Run by top people. I urge you to check them out. They're big supporters of the channel. And uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Danny Batten Fight Show. Until then, be good. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network.